Welcome back to another edition of Your Insurance Connection Podcast. Your host, Grant Fenley, and I'm joined once again by President of CLH Insurance, Chuck Hembry. Chuck, how are you today? Good afternoon. Good. 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 Well, this Tuesday is the 2016 presidential election, and I thought we might kind of take a bit of a detour with our podcast this week, and and we'll still obviously discuss insurance, but more poignantly, how this election might shape the insurance industry in the in the future. So maybe there's a lot there, maybe there's not, but hopefully we can dig into it a little bit and find out. So can can you just maybe start off by listing a few ways that this election may impact the uh, insurance industry going forward? Uh, sure. I'll list a few, and then if you want to delve into any of them, you, uh, you just let me know. Uh, obviously, I, I don't want to concentrate on who the candidates are. Uh, yeah. We've all heard enough. Of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't need to be partisan or anything here. <laughs> but there are some implications to to insurance, no matter who gets in there. Yeah, and so we can discuss those a little bit. And uh, one of them would be the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, uh, that uh, we've seen out there, uh, and we we know the each candidate's stance on it, but we we really haven't dealt much into. What would implications be? Uh, second of all is uh, the financial outlook that each would bring, and that would uh, impact the insurance in a way. Uh, and some of their views, um, some of their jointly held views, I believe, especially in the area of infrastructure, will uh, affect it. And then finally, I thought, well, how, how will it affect how we work here at CLH and who we service, our clients? And so those are the four areas that uh, I, I, I'm prepared to, to to talk about a little bit and just give my opinions. Yeah, definitely an opinion laden episode. There's not a whole lot of cold <laughs> hard facts in this one. It's more of a discussion. But uh, let's talk about how it might affect uh, current customers. If, if you've got some information there that we can really dissect. Well, you know, it's either going to affect our personal lines customers or our uh, commercial lines customers. And really, we're we're well prepared and placed uh, for for any kind of thing like that. And and looking at our philosophy and and our niche markets and so forth, they aren't quite as affected by financial markets and by downturns or upturns in the economy, uh, such as social services. That's probably our largest niche market. There is always going to be a need for social services. It may be tighter funding for social services mm-hmm. versus uh, bigger pots, which that never tends to, to happen uh, in their budgets. Uh, but there's always a need for social services. So we don't see uh, an impact to that. The only thing we could see is funding to some of those social services, which make it difficult to uh, continue, uh, continue salaries and uh, pay for, uh, for folks to attract volunteers, to be able to handle volunteers, even though they're giving free labor, and certainly in the buying of insurance. There are a broad spectrum of markets, our ability to risk manage, uh, and the options that we have leave us well-placed to continue to take care of social services no matter what, uh, no matter what the uh, outlook. Uh, we're, we're really rich with good markets, so I believe any other commercial ones will at least have players and we're going to be on a level playing field 
with others. I think we have an advantage with social services. Now, personal lines, that could be all over the place. But again, I think we deal with rather conservative markets who are not wild in the way that they think. They're not going to take big swings up or big swings down. So we feel like we'll be able to present a level playing field for our customers where they're not going to be seeing big, huge swings. And with data analytics and some of the tools that we have with some of our companies, we're well positioned to, uh, to, to hang in there no matter whether monies get tight for our personal lines customers and for us. Remember, we don't get discounts either. We pay the going rate on insurance no matter. So it affects us. And I know our account managers think that when they're looking at increases or decreases in premium, how it affects our insurance. Well, so then let's talk about the, the big one, I suppose. Everybody has an opinion on Obamacare and they either want to repeal it or make some changes or whatever. So let's, let's, let's focus on that a little bit. What can you see potentially happening in that area? Okay. Well, let's look a little bit historically in what we're seeing. Uh, 2013, um, let's take Arizona, for example. I've seen it in the news lately. Uh, eight insurers per county. That's when Obamacare started out. Today, with open enrollment today, only one insurer per county, and there's one county that may not be able to offer things in 30 days from now. We're thinking they found a solution. But what a huge change in the ACA exchange. And so, you know, why, why is this happening? Well, I, I think as much uh, great stuff came with ACA, such as uh, there's no... Uh, pre-existing conditions, right. it wasn't thought through about how this would make medical coverages affordable or non-affordable. Right. Uh, obviously, if you take a non-insured, sick or unhealthy population and dump it into the population that is healthy, that does have insurance, that's, that's still a, a, a great thing for those who have health problems. So right. I don't want to minimize that. That's one of the good things that came out of there. But to have the expectation that we could do that cheaper than we did before is is not is not very wise. Um, the thought behind it was that we would bring in all these youthful uh, candidates into the insurance uh, networks, and that would provide enough premium to offset some of the sickness that we would bring by bringing in those who need it but don't have insurance. But at the same time, the way that the program was set up, families can now keep their 26-year-olds, uh, young adults in there, so they are not entering into it. They right. are still underneath the family care, so we're not generating any more or any less. So that was a fallacy with the program. It wasn't well thought out. And some of the hopes that insurance companies that uh, providers had of being able to get in aggressively, get market share, and then have some of their losses offset never came to be. So for every dollar twenty that was paid out, we were only taking a dollar in. You can't continue that way. Now, overall throughout the, uh, the U.S., if we looked across the country, it may not be quite that bad, a dollar taking in, a dollar twenty being paid out. Right. But most insurance companies are, are losing between 9 and 11%. So right. 
So what's the result of that? You see United Healthcare, Anthem, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Aetna pulling out of ACA exchanges all across the U.S. because they cannot make a profit in the individual market. They're still kind of hanging on to the group. So there must be a profit motive and a profit uh, availability there, but not there. Those are big players, uh, big gigantic players at the very beginning did the math and said, we're not going to yeah. do this. Principal financial pulled out. Uh, we've seen a lot of mergers and consolidations. And so you're getting fewer and fewer players. And even there, they're not, uh, they're not taking it in. So now, 33% of counties across the U.S., according to the Kaiser Foundation, are down to only one insurer. So we have to stand back and say, whoever gets in, are we going to repeal it or retool it? Um, you know, I, I would hope that, um, and I will, I will establish some precedents here. I'm not a big fan of the of Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, but I would hope we wouldn't throw it out with having a without having a well thought out um, program to replace it with. That would not be wise either. That would be repeating the same mistake that we made before when we introduced the ACA without good uh, thought. And so uh, I'm hoping that we don't repeal it totally. I hope that we retool it drastically uh, and uh, take away some of the bad effects that we've had there. And uh, whether that means repealing it eventually, uh, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see where the where the candidates go. And now, do you remember specifically what some of the proposed changes might be? Well, there are there are some caps right now on the amount of profitability that com companies can make. If historically, since ACA has been in there. We've seen they can't work, that they're too tight. Then I think there has to be some concession to being able to, to lift some of those restraints because a company to stay in existence has to make a profit. Sure. Now, greediness is one thing. Making a profit is another. So if we can somehow successfully lift some of those restraints and at the same time keep adequate pressure on, on, uh, Providers so that they're not taking advantage of the consumer, that they're not getting greedy, uh, which that, that can be a tough job, I understand. Uh, then I think we can be successful. And if we can modify some of the age restraints and some of the caps and limitations on those who are unhealthy. How much of that cost do you think is attributed to just how expensive it is to have a medical procedure in this country? Is that where that is that the, the, the root? Of it, I guess that that's that's a contributor to it. Yeah. You know, obviously, we've heard many many uh, um, situations where we can go outside the U.S. and get um, a treatment um, at a much less cost. Uh, we still know that the U.S. provides the highest level of health care mm -hmm. and medical care and innovation yeah. in the world. That has to cost something, sure. uh, and uh, we're, we're big on regulation here. Regulation costs. I'm not saying that regulation is not unneeded. I'm just saying if you have it, it drives cost. So we have those types of things there. Um, there's another place where we can look 
And uh, quite frankly, that's where I thought we would, would, as ACA came along, that we would generate some of our looks on, on limiting uh, and capping uh, with innovation amounts of profits or amounts of raises so that providers, insurance providers, pharmaceuticals, medical providers, and all those that are, are uh, involved in healthcare have a clear idea of what is expected as far as what's appropriate in increases and, and regulations along that line. But we didn't attack it in that way. So one of the other things you mentioned was infrastructure. So can you expand on that a little bit and just kind of let the listeners know exactly how the outcome of the election might impact that as it relates to insurance? Absolutely. Both, both candidates are kind of on the same track here. It's hard to believe. We don't, we don't hear too much now. Um, some, uh, one candidate may express it in billions where another one may express it in a trillion, but there is big interest in, and, and a big philosophical thought that we need to improve in infrastructure and we're going to pour money into infrastructure. Number one, because it's needed. And number two, because it will create jobs. And if we can do both of those things, we'll be better off. So whichever candidate we get, we're going to, we're going to get some big spending increases in infrastructure. Okay. So how will that affect us? If we have more jobs, more contractors, then we're going to see um, a big boom in that area. And right. we're going to see uh, a big influx of that. So we think that out of that, uh, if jobs really do flow like they're supposed to, then uh, we will see increased spending. We will see increased um, revenues coming to contractors, which we would think would flow to, to employees, which will uh, give us better spending on the retail there. So we will see those types of um, increases coming in. That means an increase in premiums because there's more revenue and most of the time uh, insurance premiums, at least on the commercial side, are influenced by what the revenues are, higher revenues, higher premiums. And that reasoning is that that's the best indicator of risk. If you're doing much more business, then there's more risk. If you're doing less business, there's less risk. Okay. So uh, with the good comes probably an increase in insurance premiums, even if rates stay the same. Um, to us as personal lines, really not a huge impact other than that if we get good infrastructure and spending there, we might become more competitive in the housing market. Housing might take off, uh, and we may have to see some improvements because of that. And then I think the last thing was the financial outlook. What, uh, what do you envision there? Well, I'm no prognosticator there. So, uh, <laughs> All I can say is, depending on what candidate comes in, there will be a view by the stock market of, of how that's going to affect future earnings, future stock prices, sure. and so forth. Uh, so with that, a bear market or a bull market uh, is going to affect it. I don't see a huge change in insurance other than if there's a huge uptick, insurers will be able to replenish some of their coffers, have more reserves for claims have more capital to invest in, uh, and we might see a, a slight softening of uh, premium.
premiums, and I say very slight there because they'll have more capital to play with and invest in. Well, whatever the outcome is on Tuesday, it is certainly going to be interesting to say the least. So <laughs> maybe we'll check back in on on just exactly how this election has impacted the industry at a later date, but I, I think uh, this is certainly topical and very interesting regardless. And a great opportunity to say, hey, we need everyone to go out and vote their conscience, and hopefully they're making an intelligent decision in the, the voting booth. Absolutely. Every four years, the citizens get to overthrow the country, and, and, <laughs> and no blood is shed, right? So it's, it's actually it's a very wonderful freedom that we have. So I would, I would echo those thoughts entirely. So with that, we will uh, bid you adieu, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you very much for listening. Your Insurance Connection podcast can be heard on iTunes and Stitcher or by visiting clhins.com forward slash content forward slash podcast. If you liked what you've heard, you can support this podcast by rating and or sharing it on your social platforms. CLH Insurance is a trusted choice independent agency servicing Missouri, Kansas, and Illinois. For more information on CLH Insurance, Visit clhins.com or call 636-391-0700 to speak with an agent. Until we connect again, thanks for listening.